What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul podcast. It's your host, Chris. And actually, today's episode is a bonus episode. So check it out. Today's guest is Arjun Murphy. All right. So he is one of the co-founders of this new app, this new website called The Factual. All right. So uh, when I found out about it, I was like, yes, this is exactly what's needed. So it's no secret that one of the main issues with polarization and uh, misinformation out there is that our media is extremely bias. All right. So we have mainstream channels that are just completely supporting, you know, uh, corporate interest, you know, and protecting all these, you know, things going on, which kind of leaves us left out. So we're missing out on a lot of information, but then you also have certain biases that are pandering to certain groups, such as certain organizations having to be vaccinated just to go to work, but they're pushing anti-vax information and bias stories on their network. So I'm not going to name names, but I think you all know, you know, which kind of media outlets I'm talking about. So what's needed? We need a website or an app that is giving us unbiased media. All right. And that is exactly what Arjun Murthy and his co-founder, that's what they're trying to do with the factual. So in this conversation, uh, Arjun and I, we talk about, you know, media bias. We talk about polarization and I, I press him and I ask him, what does your algorithm do? Right. And he is extremely, extremely transparent about how their algorithm goes through all these different news stories and it checks them. It checks them to see how biased they are. You know, are they using good, reputable sources? Like, are they sourcing like legitimate studies? Or are they just sourcing another opinion piece and all these other things? And I've been using the app, you know, for a, a few weeks now, and it's super cool. With a click of a button, you could see how the app is rated. You could see why it is rated that way. It's really cool. And I even like try to be like, okay, well, how can someone game this system? And, you know, Arjun and his team, they've, they've thought these things through. So we discuss, you know, what their app does, but also, you know, what, what can we do? Because one of the questions I always have is like, okay, cool. It's awesome that you are offering this and you guys are doing this, but do people really want accurate information or do they just want news and opinion pieces that confirm their biases? So we chat about that a little bit as well. So anyways, make sure you head down to the description, head over to the factual. All right. There is a, a free version of it. Okay. There's also a paid version because one of the things they do to, uh, you know, ensure that they don't kind of get uh, caught up with, you know, the bias and certain interests and stuff like that is that they don't do advertising, which is one of the reasons that, you know, social media platforms are so skewed and stuff like that. So they do have a subscription model. It's super cheap. I think it's like five bucks and $25 for the year, something like that, but that helps keep it ad free, right? So they can stay on track and fulfill their purpose while also having the funds to sustain their business. So head down to the description, make sure you head over to the factual again they have an app as well i'm going to link that down below and follow arjun and uh the factual over on social media all that stuff's going to be linked down in the description but before we get started also make sure you're following me at the rewired soul on instagram and twitter i've been chatting with you uh with a lot of you lately so i love it so that's one of the main reasons i want you guys to follow me i love having you know conversations with all of you some of you just recommend killer book recommendations i have just received so 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 many books and stuff like that i've been talking with a bunch of authors so that's another reason to follow me uh because we have a lot of really cool upcoming episodes coming uh with uh just authors from all over the spectrum to talk about you know uh just psychology to talk about science i have a lot of like authors who write about like finance and saving and investing and becoming like financially illiterate so many awesome episodes coming. So make sure you follow me over on Instagram and Twitter at The Rewired Soul. All right. But anyways, without further ado, here's my conversation with Arjun Murphy about the factual and media bias. All right. Hello, Arjun. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Chris. Thank you very much for having me. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just recently learned about, recently learned about you and your amazing work and your awesome app, 
uh, and website. So for those who have yet to meet you, do me a quick favor, introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do. Sure. So uh, as uh, Chris said, I'm Arjun Worthy. I'm a co-founder and CEO of The Factual, which is a news service that helps people find unbiased news on pressing topics every day. So the, the problem that we try to solve is that there's too much news in the world and a lot of it is pretty janky. It's not particularly well-researched. It's rather opinionated. Uh, it frankly wastes your time. And what we want to do is cut out that noise, help people be well-informed as quickly as possible, give them the best stories across the political spectrum that help you see all the angles to really important topics so mm -hmm. that you're not getting a biased view or a one-sided view of issues. You can understand the whole thing and, um, and be done with news quickly. Uh, the service is ad-free because we don't want to care about sensationalism, clicks, likes, views, none of mm -hmm. that stuff matters to us. Uh, it's a very low cost subscription, five bucks a month or 25 bucks a year. Um, we just want to make it affordable and easy for everybody to get credible news regularly and then be on their way in life. <laughs> yeah. And it's such, it's such an awesome service. As you know, I was fooling around with it last night. So, so first thing I got to ask you, because you, you have a podcast as well called unbiased yeah. and the second i saw the podcast name i'm like well that's courageous right <laughs> i was listening to an episode you did with someone else and you were talking about how like you know humans were never getting rid of all of our biases and stuff like that Correct. so anyways if i turn on cnn or fox news tucker carlson or rachel maddow or whoever they're not gonna be like hey welcome to the biased media nobody's gonna <laughs> say they're biased so how does the factual work Right? How is it eliminating yeah. bias? How is it keeping it in check? How is somebody listening not just like, oh, sure, this this guy is a one guy giving me unbiased news? Yeah. So, no, no, so how totally, how's it work? It's totally fair. So uh, we have a couple of, of uh, thesis behind what we do. The first is that bias is everywhere because news is still largely produced by humans or something written by humans, and humans have biases. That's okay. It's not. It's not a bad thing. Like, we, what can you do? It's just how we're built. So if you're trying to get unbiased news, which is the right goal, you have to accept that no single source of news or single article is the entire truth and the gospel. Mm -hmm. It just cannot be. You're going to have bias just by the nature of what stories we choose to report on. How a story is framed is one mm -hmm. of the biggest ways that bias seeps in. What facts are kept and what facts are omitted is another way bias creeps in. So it's not even overt sometimes. It's just very sort of subtle. Mm -hmm. And so we accept all this at the fact where we say, okay, so given that everything has a bias, let us help you get multiple different angles to a story. And each of those angles should be really well-researched, minimally opinionated, because we want readers to reach their own conclusions. We don't want to give them the answers. In fact, there are no easy answers in most cases. Let's mm -hmm. give you the facts. Let's give you a bunch of viewpoints on it. And then let's give you a quiet place to think. And so the way mm -hmm. that the factual does those things is we have an algorithm that uh, rates how credible and informative news is. And it does so in a transparent manner and in a way that simply is not done elsewhere. So if you think about every news feed in the world you've ever seen, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or even Google search for some uh, mm -hmm. regards, Popularity is implicitly or explicitly in there. Yeah. Likes, hearts, tweets, backlinks, uh, all of these are, are popularity. But when it comes to news, popular doesn't equal credible. In fact, some of the times, the less popular stuff has actually got it right. And so when, when we wrote our algorithm, we said, we don't care about popularity signals. We care about expertise signals. And so there are four signals that the algorithm looks at on every individual article. It says, how well-researched is this article? Links, quotes, who are you, how authoritative are those sources, et cetera. Um, kind of like what Google does, you know, where you link, uh, Google cares about who links to you. Yeah. We care about who do you link to. Got what it. did you use to cite as your reference? So is you that get like, real quick, is that like government organizations? Like what, what type? Is it like .org, .gov? Is it studies, yeah. papers? Like what, what type of stuff are you looking at? Yeah, exactly. That, it, gets, it gets very granular. So yes, at one level, we care about primary sources. So when you cite papers, you get slightly higher ratings than if you just mm. cite ordinary sources. 
but it runs down the gamut. And, and the more sources you have and the more politically diverse they are, it's a political article, all these kinds of things, quotes, lengths of quotes, all this stuff, you'll get a better and better evidence score. Yeah. Um, then we have a natural language processing algorithm, which is a family of algorithms that looks at text and interprets it and analyzes it. And so what we're looking for is how opinionated the text is. And uh, if you think about news, when it's done in a good way, it shouldn't be too opinionated. It's mm -hmm. there to inform you. It's not there to entertain you or enrage you. It's just saying, here's what happened. Here's who, why, where, what, et cetera. Here's the context. So our engine looks for that and reads the article on how opinionated it is and looks at things around length and it excludes quotes. It's very sophisticated. So it gives you a neutrality score. Then it looks at uh, the author and it says, okay, has this author got a good reputation or a system for writing about this topic? Mm. What it does is every article is classified by topics and each author gets tagged for it. And so we say, has this person written on this topic before? Has she written exclusively on it, extensively on it? When she's written in the past, did she have it really well researched and minimally opinionated, et cetera? And so you build a reputation expertise score in our system. And at this point now, we've rated about 50,000 journalists mm. around the world. And we know some of the best writers in the world at topics. It's, it's really great. And then the fourth is the source reputation. So it's sort of an average score of all the articles we've rated for them over some time period. And it floats, so it goes up and down. And we combine all these scores into a 1% to 100% easy-peasy rating. Um, and we assign it to every article. It's automatic. And if you click on it and see all the details and how the mm -hmm. score was formed, et cetera. Um, the upshot of all this, Chris, the, the interesting thing is um, we tend to find great writing at a really wide range of sources, oftentimes smaller sources, because they tend to really focus on a topic. So mm -hmm. just randomly, I'll throw out a few. There's one called War on the Rocks, which is a lot about war correspondence, military, foreign policy, that kind of stuff. And a few former war correspondents got together and built a site. And it mm. is phenomenal. I mean, you read two articles on that, your mind will be blown. It's going to be much no. better than anything the Times or the Journal or the Post puts out. Not a knock on those guys, but they're more generalist papers. And yeah. this guy has decided to just really nail this one or this group rather. And so that source can often outrank the others when it comes to military foreign policy got it and there's dozens and dozens of examples like that so so that is something that i i absolutely love and i'm going to go on a little bit of a rant and then we'll talk about <laughs> this a little bit so the popularity aspect that you touched on uh this is something that i've i've noticed just forever right uh like as when i learned about the matthew effect right what what's big gets bigger what's small gets smaller right I started to notice this in all aspects. Uh, you know, I started out on YouTube, uh, I write and, you know, I have the podcast and everything like that. And what you notice is, is that the big people, right? So big journalists in this aspect, they're big and then more people link to them. Google, yep. all the, all, yeah. you know, Twitter promotes them more and things like that. Like when something gets liked and retweeted, people look at that and say, well, if everybody else is liking it and retweeting it, I should like it too, yeah. because, you know, that's just what we do. And, it's something that's really bothered me. Uh, I, I could talk all day about the issues with Substack because that's one of their biggest issues, right? They they don't index on Google. I've been writing for them for about a year now and I've noticed it over time. I'm like, oh wait, nobody on Google can find me. So it's all within the Substack system, right? So unless you're A, already big or B, Substack promotes you, you're kind of screwed. So. I, I actually wrote about this not that long ago, actually on Substack, but, but we don't know what we don't know. There's so many small writers out there who are covering things and they're not incentivized. They're not like run by some corporation. They don't have to answer to anybody and they can write that good type of journalism or story or whatever. So I guess my question to you is how, how is it finding it? So if I'm, if I'm like sitting here and I'm like, well, I write, you know, I try to cover certain stuff yeah. on Substack, but it's not being indexed by Google, how are you going to find me? So how is your algorithm looking for it? Say, say there's some smaller writers listening to this podcast right now. How is the factual finding them and, and even knowing yeah. if it's worth it and not just some lunatic writing a blog post? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a perfect answer. We, we have a crawler. Uh, 
much like a Google spider crawler. And so mm -hmm. it crawls sites and uh, pulls articles. To, the, to join the crawler's index, we do add it manually. And so the reason we do that is because we apply a light criteria on what constitutes a new site. And for now, the rule that we have is it's not a single person. It has to be something where there's yeah. an editor or some sort of someone to check on the other person. Got because it. if it becomes individuals, then it's sort of this unlimited, it's blogs galore. And it's not a knock on them because I find fascinating, really great writing on it. But we had to set some level. Yeah. And so we said, it has to look like a publication of some sort. I don't care if it's two guys doing it, but there's a publication that is there that comes out on a regular basis. And there's some sort of editor that has to check on the reporter. Because anytime there's an editor, the reporter's held to some standard, whatever that may be. So that's sort of, it's a, it's a pretty low bar in a sense, but it does help us speak yeah. and stuff. Uh, but with that, then we get a lot of sites that Google itself would not perhaps consider as news. Got it. And we think, no, this is, this is totally fine. Uh, so what we, it's not, the reason I said it's not a perfect answer is because a true perfect answer being a, a geek that I am is I want a crawler that can dynamically figure all the stuff out and not have to wait for me to weigh in. And that then would truly index more and more of the world. Yeah. But we're still a fairly uh, modest startup. So we need to get this going. We've got now about 2,200 sites in the index. So okay. it's pretty big. Like, honestly, you're not going to often find a new site that's not in our index in the English-speaking world. But, um, but in the long run, yeah, absolutely. It has to become more sophisticated and see if it can detect multiple different author tags. Can it detect an about page or a masthead that gives you information about editors? And then it could say, okay, submit this for approval. This looks like a legit site. That would be a good thing for us to know. Yeah. No, that like just even that that low bar, it weeds out a lot of stuff. And I yeah. think having someone check uh, because I've worked with plenty of editors with my writing, like I've written, you know, for a few publications and I'm like, dang, like I'm actually kind of surprised with as biased as the media is like a lot of them are really good at like covering their ass and making sure you word things a certain way and, you know, and all this other stuff. Yeah. But let me ask you this. I don't know if it's something you all have considered or if it's something later down the line with the factual. Have you considered allowing publications, like say they find you and you don't find them and they're able to like submit to become like a verified factual accredited site yeah. if they meet certain criteria? I, I mean, definitely. I don't think we are mainstream popular enough yet that a lot of people are coming to us and saying they want that. Funnily mm -hmm. enough, uh, one of the, I think, community managers at editor at Christian Science Corner, which is a fine publication, mm. uh, he reached out to us randomly and said, hey, I saw that we're being featured on your site periodically. That's awesome. We love it. Can we, you know, wanted to make sure you have access to more of our stuff so we get featured more often, uh, which is really nice of him to write. Um, and it, it goes to why I think there's a very symbiotic relationship between what we do and what uh, publications do. But... Um, you know, from a, from a ratings and featuring standpoint, none of that inbound would really affect what we do. The yeah. algorithm runs on its own. I can't really tell it to do anything or yeah. not do anything. It's just, it's going to do its thing. So just because like, let's say uh, NBC News reached out and said, we love what you're doing. You know, we want you to do more. I'm like, well, thank you. That's all I can really say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to rate you how it rates you. Uh, you'll see the ratings if you want better ratings, you know. Uh, do the things that the engine likes. And yeah. uh, what's nice about it is, you know, one of the reasons that every algorithm in the world from a newsfeed standpoint is a black box, we don't know, yeah. is because uh, these news sites and, and Twitter and Facebook are worried that people will game the system. Mm -hmm. It's a very understandable, re uh, you know, concern. I, I empathize there. But it's because it's driven by popularity that it's, when it's gained, you get bad stuff out of it. Yeah. And in my case, it's not driven by popularity. So if you try to game us, you're probably going to write good news, actually. Because yeah. you have to write a lot about a topic. It has to be deeply researched. It can't be opinionated. It has to be well-sourced. So imagine you do this dozens and dozens of times to build a rating in our system. I suspect you're actually going to learn a lot about that topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting because as you were explaining the algorithm, because my background is in marketing and search engine optimization and you know i've had a youtube channel i've been on tiktok i i experiment with all the platforms and as a creator 
first question is, how do I game this system, right? How do I meet all that criteria? But as you were talking, I'm like, well, I guess if you gamed it, you're getting quality content, right? Exactly. It's like, it's like if my son was trying to like prank me by eating his vegetables or something like that. It's like, <laughs> oh, you got me. You know? So, so it, it, it feels like you guys have like thought out uh, these various angles, but uh let me let me ask you this because as soon as I learned about your site and and I've had plenty of authors on here who talk about uh, polarization and uh, bias in media and uh, misinformation all these other things. Um, Monica Guzman with her amazing book, she was yeah. a recent guest too. And I, I I look at what you're doing. I look at uh, you know I read Monica's book and loved it. But the number one question that pops into my mind, and this is like what I feel is all like your biggest hurdle, right? How do we get people to actually want what you have to offer? Because like, I'm a former drug addict and I see confirmation bias as like this yeah. massive dopamine hit. We love, yeah. we love sticking with our one source. Tell me what I want to hear. Agree yeah. with my view of the world. And that's it. And you're like, hey, why don't you come over here and just have massive amounts of cognitive dissonance and it'll be great. So like, what are you guys doing? Like how, what's, how do we incentivize people to actually want what you're offering? You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I think there's, there's an insight that we have on humans that's maybe a little counterfactual. And then there's also uh, the practicality of how we do this. So let's talk about the insight first. Uh, there are definitely people on both ends of the political spectrum that love confirmation bias. As mm. humans, we all generally do. And then there's some that are exceptionally deep into it. It's like, I always knew Biden was corrupt and a rogue, or I yeah. always knew Trump was a liar and a crook. And they just run that, you know, the, all the headlines that match that are great. For them. But our insight is that the vast majority of us are actually not on either political end of the spectrum. Mm. We're on any political extreme, actually. We have our proclivities. Maybe we vote a little bit more Republican or a little bit more Democrat, but we're not hardcore about it. We're like, you know, I kind of agree a little bit with that person. I kind of agree with a little bit of this person. And so our first big insight is that the majority of the population is kind of moderate centrist. Mm -hmm. It's not actually that um, shocking an insight. If you look at Gallup's polls year after year, there's a big chunk in the middle. But because media caters to political extremes, because that's how you get an audience and you can drive an ad-based business, we see more and more extremist contests. So we think, oh, all the content's out there it's saying either Biden's a crook or Trump's a crook. It's got to be that you have to be in either camp. But maybe a lot of people aren't in that either camp. They're like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm not a big fan of politicians to begin with. Let's start with that. And I think yeah. they all have their issues. And I really think about it at a policy level and I agree with some policy here and some policy there, but that's really it. So that's the first insight is that while confirmation bias is strong, the vast majority of us don't want to be spoon fed. Humans actually have a pretty good bullshit meter, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're being sold something, we can smell. We're like, ah, you're trying to, you're trying to sell me something, aren't you here? Yeah. Um, and so I think don't try to sell people things. Give them the facts. We're not about saying one side is good or bad. I could care less. It's yeah. about saying, let's get you the facts on this story. You reach your own conclusion. And by the way, if your conclusion is still that Trump's a crook or Biden's a crook, more power to you. I don't care. But yeah. you did it on your own with all the facts. I didn't tell you that. And yeah. that's what the news is supposed to do. So at some level also, I'm very philosophical about this. Like, that's my role is to give you the data. It's not my role to give you the answers. I don't even know the answers. If yeah. I'm really being honest, in most policy issues, and I read all day, I couldn't give you a straight answer on most policy issues because it's really hard. Yeah. One of these things is hard. Pick, you know, migrant crisis, pick abortion, whatever you name it, Ukraine. It is so complicated, all this stuff. So the best I can do, my job, is to give you the facts. You reach the right conclusions of your own. And I would say the majority of the time, most of us are going to reach the logical conclusions because yeah. we're rational people. I'm not saying all the people are going to reach it. Nope. There's always going to be fringe out there. Forget them and say it's not going to be uh, there. But most of us are. We mostly have similar sets of values, similar goals. We want safety. We want our kids to be healthy. We mm -hmm. want safe communities. You know, it's, we're, we're kind of the same. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, blue. It makes no difference. Yeah. Um, and so that's the level we operate at and why I think uh, it's actually not as hard to get people to, quote, see the other side, if the other side is presented factually 
without heavy opinion. If I were, if I'm a heavy um, Fox News person and I go to CNN and on CNN, they just keep screaming, Trump's a rogue, Trump's a rogue. That's not going to work. It's just not. But if I go to someplace and it says, I don't really care what you think about Trump or not. Here's something that happened that's relevant, particularly on this policy. This is where Trump stood on it. Here's where Biden stood on it. Here's the history behind it. That's it. We're done. Then you, Mr. Fox viewer, will see different angles and say, oh, I never thought of it that way, which is exactly Monica's book. Yeah. And that's really all we're (laughs) trying to do. That starts to get you out of your filter bubble. That starts to break up the cognitive dissonance without attacking, which is what I think happens when people try to do Fox plus CNN every day. They're like, well, I'm trying to get out of my bubble. I'm like, yeah, but those two hate each other. Yeah. You hate each other. And that's not the goal. We're meant to inform you and show you different angles. So, sorry, that's part one. The part two of the answer is there's also just a straight convenience element. Mm. The truth of the matter is humans are busy, or at least we believe we're very busy. We have many, many demands in our time. Mm-hmm. And frankly, there's a lot of really entertaining stuff in the world today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I have time, TikTok is great. Netflix is great. Yeah. I'm going to do that over listening to this boring diatribe on news. And so part of what we have to do is make it easy and convenient for people to get the news in the form they want as quickly as possible and balance. Mm-hmm. And so we have a newsletter, we have an app, we have a website, we have home extension, we have cert- everything that we can do to make it easy, easy, easy. And because we have zero ads, I don't care how long you read at all. If you read for one minute a day, fine by me, Not mm-hmm. no big deal. I care about frequency because I want to make sure you're informed regularly. I don't care about read time or length of time in an app or all these other traditional metrics. And so what that means is I'm, I'm thinking first of what's important to my consumer. I don't want too much of your time. I respect that you're busy and you have kids and jobs and bills and all. I'm not going to ask too much of you. I'm going to try to do this as quickly as I can. And then you get on with your life. Yeah, That's not a model that most news organizations work on, but it is what we work on. yeah, it's uh, it's something like we were talking, you know, just about you know books and stuff like that. That you know, I, I read, and it's 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 something like like trust me, like I love playing video games. I binge shows with my girlfriend, with my son, you know, all these other things. But you know, it's just something about me. I'm just curious and stuff. And I I understand that other people like when you are just barraged with facts and information. I think that was one of the biggest issues, uh, with what was going on with the whole Joe Rogan uh you know controversy just a couple months ago with the vaccines and everything like that because i listened to uh what was it both yeah mccullough and malone i listened to both those three-hour episodes and like i'm a very skeptical science-minded person but when you're sitting there and you listen to one three-hour episode i listen at 2x speed too right yeah but one three-hour episode with all these studies and facts like what am I going to do? And especially because I'm a college dropout who's not into medical science. Like, how am I going to fact check everything you said? Yeah. So when I when I try to put myself in other people's position, I'm like, it's crazy to think that somebody is going to be able to, you know, uh, know which of these studies are legitimate, that they cited, where they came from. Hell, half half the people don't even know how to look at a peer-reviewed study. Like, yeah, you know, complicated. There's like numbers and symbols and all yeah. sorts of stuff. But uh, the one thing I want to ask you, as you were talking, like I was thinking about it, because I, I, I get so optimistic and pessimistic at the same time, right? Because I've read, um, there's a great book, uh, Breaking the Social Media uh, Prism by uh, Chris, uh, Chris Bale. He's the, uh, the head of Duke's Polarization Lab. And his oh, book, yeah. it talks about how they're like the majority of the people are in the middle. But what gets amplified is the fringe people on the sides, right. right? When I hear about what Monica's doing and Braver Angels, I'm like, dang, people are taking time out of their day to go sit down with people with other views. Like, that's, that's crazy, right? I think about that. But through my own conversations, when I'm talking with people, I hear how, ex- not, I don't want to use the word extreme, but how their views align with that side or their group or their tribe, right? And then if we just even look at the last election, like, it wasn't a landslide in one way or another. It seems yeah. very tribal. And hell, when we look at the Senate and how they're voting, right? Like yeah. it is crazy, the split. Yeah. So so anyways, what I'm getting at is like, even though the data and the information says that a lot of people are in the middle, it still seems like the actions are yeah. on on these far sides. And I'm wondering why 
like, why do you think that is? Am I just delusional? Am I seeing something else? Like, like, cause it's really strange to me. So I'm curious your thoughts. So, um, we interviewed this guy, Lee Drutman, who's a policy, a political science guy from New America. It's a think tank. He's really thoughtful about this stuff. So I'm going to paraphrase him. And if anyone's listening and is really curious, you should read Lee. He's thought about this. He's got this book called Breaking the Two-Party Doom Loop. What? And, Add that to my list. <laughs> yeah, such a great book. And so his fundamental thesis is, look, as long as we have two parties, it, mm. you always wind up thinking that everything is tribal because you only have two choices. Yeah. And so, yes, it was a near, you know, it was a very close election. It is every time uh, whoever the Republicans or Democrats put up. But that doesn't mean we're split down the middle that way. It's just, oh, great. These are our two choices. I guess pinch your nose and pick one. Yeah. But if you actually had eight choices, I bet you we're not going to see everyone gravitate to the Republican candidate or the Democratic candidate. There'll probably be some third, fourth, or fifth candidate. And if you look at most uh, democracies around the world, the U.S. is one of the weirdest. Yeah. We have this two parties that just dominate everything. Nearly every other democracy has many, many parties, and it's always coalition governments, which, by the way, has its own set of issues. And Israel takes it to a whole other level of madness. Mm -hmm. But what it means is you got to compromise. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be sexy. I know it will make the headlines. My people are not going to love it. But it's how democracy works. We plod along, you know, a little bit progress, a little bit progress. And so look at Netherlands or Germany or. The UK is also kind of a weird exception a little bit because it's really kind of two-party. Um, but most other democracies tend to have multi-party, truly multi-party elections. And so Lee then goes into, well, why do we have only two parties? Great. We, we, we see the problem. Two parties. We want four. Why can't we get it? And then he looks at our electoral systems. Mm -hmm. And the thing that we have is it's called a first-past-the-post system, which basically means that in an election... If I get one more vote than the next guy, I win the whole thing. So eight of us are running. I get one more vote than second place. I win. Yeah. All you guys, two through eight, sucks to be you. Yeah. But I get the whole district that we were playing for or the whole riding. But if you think about how people voted, let's say that I, you know, on a policy, all eight of us had different viewpoints. But I got slightly more than everyone else. So my decision now runs roughshod over everyone, even though most people didn't vote for me. Oh, yeah. The vast majority of people didn't vote for me. I just got more than the next guy. Therefore, I won. Yeah. And so that encourages all people running to be ultra tribal, really, really hardcore about their positions because they have to get their base out. And if their base comes out and they get one more vote than the next guy's base, that's all they need. Yeah. They don't have to win the majority. In fact, they just have to win a really uh vocal highly voting minority yeah that's yeah. what our politics has become there's a i think lee says it or someone says it's like we have parties that are itching to be minority parties actually jonah goldberg i think said something like this who's the founder mm -hmm. of this and i think that's it it pays to be the minority it pays to be nasty because you can still win doing that um yeah. but that's it and the rest of us are sitting there going wait a minute but that's not what we want at yeah. all yeah, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I just, I'm, I'm literally, as soon as we hang up, I'm just get started on that book. Uh, <laughs> but it's crazy because I think about that a lot, like more more so uh, because I, I try to read a lot about just like meritocracy and things like that. And just thinking like two two kids, uh, you know, are applying to a college and one is one point higher than the other one. Their, yeah. their life trajectory could be completely different. And then when you when you frame it in the realm of politics, I'm like, wait a second, that's insane, right? Yeah. So, but uh, here's my question because uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure uh, your thoughts on like, because uh, this is exactly what Andrew Yang, his whole thing has been that's for right. the last few months. Uh, I haven't read his new book yet. Like I'm down, like that's the only reason I haven't read his book yet. I'm like, hey, I'm already sold. I don't need <laughs> to read your book. Like, you don't gotta convince me. But uh, for example, um, you know, I've only been politically active, like mainly since like 2016, when I was like, what the hell's going on? When yeah. you like jumped at me, I'm like, okay, I'm clearly missing something, you know? But anyways, uh, you know, there, there's people who, you know, voted for like Jill Stein and the Green Party, right? There's yeah. people who just don't vote. Uh, there's people, but you, you see this kind of shunning and public shaming or even 
private shaming of people who vote third party. They're told you are throwing away your vote, right? right? And, you know, it's one of the reasons I read so much about like group psychology and tribes and all these other things, because we don't want that. We don't want our tribe to turn against us. So, right. so whenever I think about this, I'm like, Hey, Arjun, what you just said is amazing, but nobody wants to be like, hey, I voted third party, but that's okay. what it's going to take. It's going to take groups of people, large groups of people. It's going to take someone to get at least close from a third party, it seems, for this to ever happen. So since you're sold on this idea too, how do you think, how do you think we do that? How do you think we motivate yeah. people to be like, I don't give a shit what my friends or family say, yeah. I'm going to vote third party because I want to be part of this new thing. Because like you said, we are one of the only countries that has this insane two-party system, which drives this kind of extreme polarization, you know? So yeah. what are some solutions you think? So uh, I'll, I'll quote Lee again a little bit and then um, sort of paraphrase a bunch of what I've been reading. So uh, there are a bunch of electoral reforms that we can do that uh, folks like Lee and, and even Joseph some degree suggest are good. So one is you have something called proportional representation. Mm. So that scenario where uh, eight people ran and one guy got, you know, one more vote than the next. That person doesn't win the whole riding. They get proportional amount of that riding based on how much they won. And so let's say you, you'll end up with larger district basically, but you'll have a big district and there'll be like four representatives for that district, each in proportion to how much they won. Yeah. And so uh, if you start to do that, it breaks up some of the extremist points of view because now you're like, well, I just have to have a view that can get a decent number of votes and I don't have to win everyone, but I also don't have to be nasty about it to differentiate myself. Just be up there and people are like, oh, I like that person, I like that person, I like that person, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So there's that, partial representation, there's ranked choice voting, yeah. uh, which I think a lot of people know about. And these sort of encourage more moderation in the viewpoints espoused by uh candidates because they know that you can win second choice votes or third choice votes and still get up. So I think those are very good. Um, I think the fact that the U.S. has a federalist-based system is actually potentially a good thing here in that we tend to think of third parties as like, well, it has to be at the presidential ticket level. It doesn't have to be there to start, honestly. Yeah. Let's start smaller. Go local, go state, go in uh, county, whatever, any of these things. Many people are starting to realize that the states wield far more power than the federal government in almost everything that affects your life. Yeah. It is with a few exceptions like immigration, um, currency, treasury, uh, foreign policy, et cetera. Outside of a few of those, it is largely state governments that will determine your life and yeah. how your tax money is used and how your schools are going to be, et cetera. So let's start at the state level and let's get third parties in there because yeah. they don't have to be part of a big giant national league. They just have to serve their state. And so I think um, we'll start to see this. Like, I think rent choice voting, I believe, is going to be used in Alaska's next election, mm. um, which is a big thing. Maine has done it once. Of course, New York State, uh, New York City for the mayor's race did it. So you start to see rent choice come up in a few places. Proportional representation, there's a bill potentially to make that be a thing now in Congress. Um, and then if we can start to see more state-by-state -state experiments and those experiments go well, then I think things move really fast. Yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that state did it. They're yeah. really happy. That's yeah. how yeah, uh, actually here in Las Vegas, uh, I was going to the grocery store. This dude comes up to me and, you know, he has like a petition. I'm like, oh, what's this? You know, and he's, he's like, yeah, we're trying to make Nevada uh, ranked choice voting. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> signed it. Nice. And these, these people have been hustling. I go to the post office and there. I'm like, I signed it weeks ago. Nice. So, so maybe because, uh, I don't know if you were following the story of, uh, 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 in what's her name? India Walton over in Buffalo, New York. She was trying to run as a democratic socialist and she had a lot of momentum. You might be interested, like look at that story. And I, I, I can't remember if it was this one in particular, but anyways, we all know that big money in politics is an issue, right? Yeah. So do, yeah, I guess it would, but do you think uh, if we did have this kind of system, ranked choice voting and things like that, or proportionality within the candidates and like, you know, people like getting second and third place, do you think big money wouldn't affect it as much? But because I guess like, because I'm always trying to think of, okay, well, what would the other side want to do? Like yeah. what's stopping 
the the DNC and all their backers, the the corporate Democrats, from just taking millions and millions and millions of dollars and saying, okay, we're gonna shove all that money into four Democratic candidates who yeah. are just pro all of our policies and everything like that. So uh, is there is there a solution to that? Is there any kind of check to make sure that doesn't happen, or or does that have to go even higher in the policy change type stuff? Yeah. I think that one, Chris, I don't have a great answer to it. It's not something I've read about a lot. Um, I think some people actually think money in politics is a good thing mm-hmm. um, as that's one way of expressing views and getting a bunch of people together to express views. I think what pisses people off is you can have very rich people express points of view that are not representative of everyone else, but because they have so much money, mm-hmm. they get disproportionate ear of that politician and is that and that doesn't feel democratic to anyone yeah to limit that seems to me like you would need uh changes to our campaign financing laws and i feel like there are definitely enough congress people that seem to say they want to reform those laws yeah and if it can be done at the state level maybe it probably can um I just, I haven't seen a whole lot of movement there, but I think most, I would say most politicians see that the idea of a very rich person commanding your ear is a bad thing. That doesn't sound right. Yeah. And it's like, hopefully, because there's been all the stories lately about, you know, like Nancy Pelosi and the stock stuff. And then uh, I was watching something the other day. I think from breaking points, Crystal and Sager about Stacey Abrams going yeah. from like not making that much money to being like a multimillionaire yeah. and getting paid for these speeches. So then it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I think most politicians, because I've seen it too, but then it's like the whole like, all right, like actions versus words type deal. Yeah. Um, but I I am I am somewhat optimistic because I do think more people are getting informed. Like I'm a prime example. Like I'm somebody who has educated myself over the past, you know, five, six years about as much yeah. stuff as possible. And there's still a lot more to learn, but, um, you know, something, something I want to ask you, especially with the work you're doing with the factual and you have kids, I have a kid. Uh, one of my favorite topics to read about is just decision-making and cognitive biases and thinking errors. So, uh, author David McRaney, he wrote a book, you're not so smart. Next one is you're now less dumb. And it goes through those. My son's 13. Yesterday I grabbed two copies because we're going to start a little mini book, book club. Cause I'm like, hey. this kid needs to learn about all this stuff. And well, <laughs> so, good dad. I, I, I try, I just, I just, you know, I'm like, as a father, it's my job to make sure he makes decent decisions, knows when he's being influenced or manipulated. So like, mm-hmm. I guess like, uh, is this something that you've thought about? Like, uh, I don't know how, how old are your kids? Mine are nine and six. Oh, so, so they're a little bit younger. Little, a little young, but yes, this is something I've thought about a lot. And as corny as it sounds, um, both my co-founder and I, when we started this company, we said, we want to do something that we could be proud of, that we could spend a decade of our life potentially working on, that we truly believe would make the world a better place for our children. And his mm-hmm. uh, about the same as my age, my kids' ages. And so... You know, one of the reasons why we made our algorithm transparent is not only does it build trust, but it is simultaneously teaching people a degree of media literacy, sort of yeah. de facto. You get into the habit of checking sources. You get into the habit of saying, mm. oh, you get into the habit of saying, is this a real reporter? Have they written, are they a beat reporter? Do they know the stuff? Is it someone in Macedonia? Like what's going on here? And so we think that that kind of critical thinking and critical evaluation of news is a basic skill. It's like reading, writing, yeah. arithmetic. It'd be like, check the sources, check the facts. That's part of being in a democracy is we have to use critical thinking skills. It's, it's what you signed up for. If you're in a democracy, that's your job. Yeah. And so we, we wanted, we, we have this transparent system to teach this. And then um, I've even reached out uh, and worked with a few teachers in our local middle school. Actually, mm. the humanities teacher asked me to come and do a workshop with a bunch of seventh graders. Uh, which would be your kid would yeah, be my just, son's in seventh grade right now. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I don't know about you, Chris, but I was blown away how sharp these kids were. Yeah. They are savvy. I think it's easy to dismiss children as ah, uh, they're just on TikTok or they're doing stupid yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, they don't know, but they were sharp. 
I mean, at their age, I didn't even know what Democrat and Republican or conservative and liberal really meant. I was like, yeah. I don't know if I use the terms. Yeah. But they knew. They got it. And yeah. so we talked about politically divisive issues. And they weren't all woke or they weren't all, you know, extremely conservative. They're just like really thoughtful. They asked good questions. So then we went through the rubric and we asked them, you know, to to evaluate sources on their own. And even before I'd mentioned anything about the factual, and they were already thinking about these kinds of things. So then when we showed them the factual, it was just a nice reinforcement, all of which is to say, um, I think this kind of critical analysis of news is a basic skill. Um, I hope schools teach it uh, in, a, in a real way. Um, and I hope, I, I don't know if tools like the factual are necessary. I don't think they are. I think they're nice if you can mm -hmm. use it. But Frankly, it's kind of common sense and yeah. it's incumbent well, on us to teach our kids. Well, kind of like what you said too, we have such a fast paced world these days and stuff. And when I was playing around with that, that app last night to promote it a little bit, you click one little, you click on that little percentage and it just, boom, it breaks it down in a few main categories that your yeah. algorithm's ranking them on. So that, that takes away some of the effort that I have to do. As long as I trust you that you're yeah. doing that, but but yeah, it's it's interesting because one of the first things I taught my son, because he's been a gamer like me to life, mm -hmm. and, and there's so many just YouTube channels and stuff just trying to scam kids and get them to get their credit cards from their parents. And one of the first lessons I taught my son was, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, right? And I kind of uh, got him in, in this kind of skeptical mindset. Sometimes he's even more skeptical than I am. I was telling him about this great deal on Legos. He's like, that can't be real. Yeah. That's not real. You know what I mean? But yeah, that kind of skepticism, but I, I feel like, you know, especially us as adults, we, we stop, we find the people we like, we stop questioning yeah. and stuff. But one rule of thumb that I have is if I'm reading something and I really, really agree with it to like an insane level, I'm like, all right, now it's time to see what the opposite side has to say because yeah. this, this like it can't agree with me that much you know what i mean but um since i have a little bit more of your time and since you're a tech dude you got you know this awesome app the big news uh this week at the time of recording has been elon musk buying yes. up 9.2 percent of you know twitter or whatever yeah um and now he's like officially part of the board he's been talk about free speech, which is something that we haven't even gotten to dive into and all that stuff. Yeah. But I'm curious, your thoughts, like you're in this space, you're aware of Twitter, some issues that have been yeah. going on and everything like that. So what are, what are some of your thoughts, uh, pros and cons of this move from Elon Musk? Yeah. So, um, I think Elon Musk is just a fascinating conundrum. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. He's <laughs> just brilliant and so accomplished and doing so many good things for the world and then can be in the very next minute really frustrating very very difficult to understand seemingly flippant or callous like it's it's weird it's it's truly cognitive dissonance yeah. um on the whole i think him joining twitter i think is a positive i think is a positive um but it's not going to be easy. So for the staff at Twitter, I fear for them. Yeah. Um, having Elon drive uh, is hard. You know, everyone that's ever worked in an Elon Musk company knows that guy is nonstop and he can change directions fast. And that's difficult as an employee. It's like, wait, what? We're doing what now? So yeah. I think it's going to be difficult for the team at Twitter. Um, I think Elon mostly solves for what he believes is goodness for mankind. Um, I don't think Elon has bad intentions. I may not always agree with his decision, but I think his heart is usually in the right place. So when he says, hey, Twitter, we should have an edit button or Twitter, we should have a rating system as he just did. I, someone just sent me the tweet actually this morning. Um, I think Elon is trying to make Twitter better. And mm -hmm. he realizes that Look, you guys have something good here. People are rabid about this product and it's really good at getting news. Truth be told, if you can get a well-tuned Twitter feed, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. I have worked hard to exactly. make my Twitter feed like halfway decent, liking certain things, letting the algorithm know yeah. these are people I want to see, you know, so it yeah. And it's actually easier on Twitter, I would say, to get contrasting viewpoints, but you have to do so much work to find them and tune them and throw other people out. 
And so for us, at least at the factual, you know, our segment is largely not on Twitter because what we realize is the vast majority of people don't have that kind of time to tune stuff mm-hmm. and follow news and doom scroll. We just want to give you facts quickly. And so we have other form factors. So in any case, I think Elon's trying to make Twitter a better product. Um, I think he's going to be a little schizophrenic in some of his ideas. I think that's going to drive the team a bit ragged. Um, and on the whole, his his stance on free speech, I generally agree. Yeah. Uh, and I realize that there are people that criticize Elon because, of course, if you criticize Elon, especially, you know, his plant, sometimes it looks like he's he gets very angry and he's like, shut that down. So it seems like, wait, I thought you're Mr. Free Speech guy. Don't seem to like it when we criticize you. Yeah. I don't, I think he thinks if it's done in bad faith or without true, um, data. Sometimes Elon does seem to go on the war path, um, mm-hmm. which is disappointing. But by and large, Elon actually espouses a version of what Zuckerberg said, which is also, I think, correct, but very controversial, which is the solution for bad speech is good speech. Yeah. Not to ban bad speech. It's to destroy it with much better speech, to yeah. overshadow it, to show people there's a fundamental assumption baked in there, which is that humans are capable of reaching the right conclusion most of the time if they're given the facts and a quiet place to think. Yeah. But most people think that that's a bad assumption. It's like, no, 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 humans are dumb. You yeah. got to give them the answer. But when you do that, that's when their bullshit meter goes off and then you have to ban stuff. And they're like, well, you're banning it. What are you not showing me? And all this other kind of stuff. Versus if you're like, hey, this stuff doesn't look right. Here's all the reasons why yeah. and here's all the other stuff. Yeah, the fringe is still going to love that. What can you do? But the majority is going to be like, yeah, that's crazy. I'm not going. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy because, yeah, I've I've had a ton of free speech authors on here and stuff um, uh, due to a situation I had, you know, 2019 on YouTube and like, oh, this, this guy needs to be off the platform for, you know, talking. And it's like, it's like, no, like we can't do that because, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons like it's it's in the Constitution Like they didn't just put it in there like for yeah. funsies, like scary things happen. But like you said, I I feel like we are just way too we don't give humans enough credit. Right. Yeah. We're we're just like, oh, if they're given the wrong information, they it's just going to flip them to the other side. Like like when the whole Joe Rogan thing was going down, I'm like, do you think anybody like had a vaccine appointment? Right. And it's like follow the science and vaccinates yeah. their kids and then listen to a Joe Rogan episode was like, oh, never mind. Like, right. um, and I, and again to reference uh, Chris Bale's book, Breaking the Social Media Prism, uh, the data, the data doesn't support that at all. It yeah. doesn't so it, you know, uh from what I've read on the most recent data is that if anything, misinformation and stuff like that uh pushes people from extreme to more extreme. Right. Yeah. So if they're already right leaning, it just pushes them further. If they're left, it pushes them further. You know, that's it. And it's like, well, they were, you know, some some people, even though I don't like to say it, some might have been too far gone anyways, right? <laughs> but but here's here's uh probably my last question because we're running out of time, because it, it falls into this realm as well. So with the factual, all right, there was I, I really found the story of like Hunter Biden's laptop very fascinating. It's an insane story. Uh, the way it's being reported is even crazier. And I'm still yeah. trying to figure out all the facts. So I'm just going to give like, use the premise as an example to not get into the weeds of the details. But anyways, yeah. leading up to the election, right, it seemed like certain platforms were shutting down information, because kind of like what we were talking about, in fear that it would get Trump elected, right? That's so, right. so they, they, they kind of took it upon themselves. Or, or another example is Fauci, right? Saying, hey, masks don't help because their yeah. fear was that if they said masks help, we wouldn't have enough for healthcare workers. So you see, so I'm like, this is bad when people decide to make these moral decisions for all of society, right. especially when you're not like a, 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 an ethics professor. Like this stuff gets complicated. So anyways, anyways, the factual. Have you guys put yourself in that situation? How how do you decide? Like, cause if the factual blows up, just gets, you know, yeah. you guys turn into Twitter tomorrow, the responsibility comes there. Like what do you guys have a policy? Have you thought about this? How does that go? Yeah. And, and, you know, even if we look at those specific examples, um, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop story was on our site. 
Yeah. Uh, there were dozens of outlets reporting on it. So it was on our site. Uh, once it starts to trend from a coverage volume standpoint, you'll see it. Uh, yes, uh, funnily enough, it was largely because Twitter and Facebook decided not to distribute it that the news went insane about it. Yeah. I would have argued had they just let it be. Yeah, the Streisand effect, right? They'd have been like, yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> um, we we tend to let news show up uh, on our site as it's, it is. We enforce minimal rules. With very, very few exceptions, I can think of InfoWars maybe being the only one. We don't really screen out uh, news. We let the ratings do it and people can see the ratings they decide. A very recent example where we had to deal with this was on RT News and Sputnik. Mm. So uh, most of the world banned those two Russian state media agencies because they said, this is bad. Russia's the aggressor. We don't want their propaganda out there. We're shutting them down. And we said, no, we're not going to do that. RT mm. and Sputnik will stay visible on our platform. Their ratings aren't particularly great, as you'd expect. State-run media, there's not a lot of oversight. The, the articles are pretty crap quality, but you can find them on our site. And we reasoned that, once again, it is always better to know than to not know. Yeah. And I am... Very happy that we made that decision. And I'm really upset that all these other organizations did not make the same decision because what it ended up meaning was it was the quickest way for Russia to say, oh, you banned our stuff? Yeah, Guess see? what? Bad. You're out. Bloomberg, yeah. New York Times, BBC, you're out. Oh, and yeah. Who got, who got screwed in that? Russian citizen. Because look, us outside of Russia, we have so many news sources. Are we going to suddenly read Sputnik and RT and like, oh my God. Russia is so right, you know, Ukraine. No, we're not. Like most yeah. of us are. And if you do, you're an idiot anyway. So yeah. couldn't have helped you. Same like you were saying, you're not waiting for the vaccine and Rogan change your mind. Like it doesn't happen that way. But what did end up happening is we deprived all these Russian citizens from seeing what the rest of the world was seeing. And it makes it much harder for them to hold their government accountable, which is what we need to bring this war to an end. It's not going to happen with our bombs. It's going to happen with their citizens holding their governments accountable. And yeah. we just recap them. So I'm really quite irritated and frustrated that that was the way that the EU and so many people went was banning. It's like, when are you guys going to learn? Banning is not a good thing. Yeah. Extreme, extreme exceptional circumstances. I don't know that you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the people in power or the people being censored, they're like, see, I'm right. That's why they're taking me down. And it's just. Exactly. Argh, exactly. You know? So we, we, could, we could see this happening. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and and I hate to do it, but I got one more question because you you made me no, think no, about no, it. So, uh, kind of like with your algorithm, we were talking like you know people like they can't game the system because they're gonna have to write good content. And you mentioned it Infowars, right? So yeah. personally, I, I've said this since they banned Trump from Twitter. I'm like mm -hmm. that to me is terrifying, right? I would much rather know what he's doing than not know what yeah. he's doing <laughs> so that's that's yeah. me like i'm not a trend supporter but i want to i want to have eyes i don't want to have to go out of my way i want to see these things so anyways so with like Infowars, right I, i'm curious like on something like that or there's there's a, a million little like mini info wars out there uh uh, I had an issue with a QAnon youtube channel uh yeah. but they're they're huge too but anyways what do you think that there'd be a benefit of of having Infowars pop up, but they're regularly getting a low rating. Like, I wonder if, like, on a psychological level, if people would be like, "Oh, wow!" Like, they're That's not meeting any of the criteria regularly. Yeah. And if it if it would maybe maybe just shift people away from it or something like that, uh, is that is that something or or like what am I missing? If something yeah. just crazy conspiracy was on there, but it regularly got low ratings, you know what I mean? It it certainly could. Uh, I think there's a there's an argument you made for it. The other part that I try to do, like I said, is we, we want to be respectful of people's time. Yeah. And so the way that the system, so our, our system basically rates all these articles and then groups it into topics. And so on a topic, you can, so you can get through the news quickly because so many articles are actually largely duplicative or near duplicative and say about the same thing. It's kind of yeah. pointless to me. Yeah. So we just group it all like, hey, this is all one topic. Pick a couple from this topic and you're done. Move on to the next and the next. And so uh, sometimes InfoWars covers stuff that's not in a topic at all, which uh, in some cases, if you're either a reputable site, that's cool because it could be something underreported, no one's talking about, that's interesting. 
But because InfoWars is just all around bad uh, in terms of its quality, I I think what ends up happening is it just wastes people's time. Yeah. Uh, um, so I don't know. I think I could probably could probably debate this for a while. When we looked at InfoWars, the ratings were really low and it just had no merit behind yeah. anything they were putting out. I was like, at what point are we going to say this is not news? It's not even it's not even a blog. It's just a crazy rant all yeah. the time. Yeah. I think, okay, I don't think they really even passed the bar of editors because no editor could possibly have let that go. So, so the marketer in me just got an idea. I'll give it to you for free. All right. So with your, <laughs> with a weekly newsletter, you do the five worst rated articles from the week. Boom. I know. Save some time on a week. If somebody wants to look at it, oh, bam. I got you. I got you. If you ever need some freelance work, let me know. <laughs> but, well, yeah. The one thing I'll say, and this, uh, just because I think it's a good caveat. So the way that our rating works is that a high rating usually means that it's a really good article. Mm. It's got very good sourcing. And if you read a couple of highly rated across the political spectrum, you've got the best. Great. A low grade doesn't always mean false news. Mm. No. Partly there are technical reasons why you might get a low grade. We couldn't extract the content. Or it could be that you haven't built a reputation score. Yeah. So you might be a new author. You wrote something good. You just haven't done enough for our system to start taking you that seriously. So I want to be really cautious of saying like, oh, here are the five lowest scores. This is utter crap. That might not be fair. Sometimes yeah, someone okay, might accidentally get caught so up in there. Most of what we try to do at the factual is we want to accentuate the positive and have it overshadow the negative. Mm. It's not for me accentuating the negative. I, while there's some coolness and funness to it, I feel like whatever. I, let's, let's spend your time wisely. I'm going to show you great journalism. I, I see this all the time. And people think I'm crazy. I say, this is the golden age of journalism. Like, are you nuts? And I'm like, you didn't get it. There is phenomenal reporting. If we had the kind of reporting we have today from the wide range of sources and the intrepid we mm have -hmm. uh, today, things like the Iraq war might not have happened. Mm. I'm telling you, they, they are some great, great reporters today. You just would never know because they get trounced by the stupid algorithms and the clickbait and the nonsense out there. Meanwhile, yeah. there's fantastic reporters that we should follow. So yeah, I think if we accentuate the positive, constantly show great work that questions prevailing narratives and shows you different angles and all this other cool stuff, people forget that there ever was even an info. Yeah. No. Just go out and you're like, really? Someone, oh, okay, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. That's where I want news to get back to. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a great point because sometimes those things survive because people are shining light on them. So yeah, I, Arjun, I love the work that you guys are doing. Uh, I am a new fan of The Factual. I downloaded it and I've been checking it. So for everybody listening, where where can they find you to keep up with you, your podcast, updates to The Factual, lay it all on me. Sure, yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter most often at Juice Morthy. Uh, Juice is my high school nickname. <laughs> and um, uh, you can see, you can sign up for The Factual at thefactual.com. Uh, that's the best way to really get there. Sign up for the daily newsletter. It's what most people start with. And then at that point, go to the app, the website, you can follow us on social at Factual News. Uh, but largely, I would say the newsletter is the best place to start. It gets you into, it sort of sees everything. So thefactual.com is the place to go. Uh, and while we are an ad-free offering with a modest paid plan, we also have a free plan. Uh, so that even if you don't want to pay, I want you to get some level of uh, good news every day for free. And that's, that's part of our objective. Beautiful. I love it. So yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on and we'll do this again sometime. Thank you very much for having me, Chris. This is a really fun conversation. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Absolutely. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Arjun. Uh, yeah, he seems like a really, really good guy. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, inspired and I appreciate and respect the mission uh, that they're on with the factual because, you know, this is such a needed thing right now. And, you know, go check it out, check it out for yourself, you know, but do me a favor. Okay. Like if you like it, like spread the word. Okay. Because, you know, these, these guys are doing like a kind of grassroots funding for this. And, you know, as, as you've heard, like, you know, you have Elon Musk throwing like billions of dollars at like Twitter and all these other things, like, you know, the, the big money controls a lot of, you know, the platforms and everything like that. So we need to get together and spread the word about, you know, websites like the factual and let people know like, Hey, Hey, if you're looking for unbiased media or at least media that's being rated, so, you know, 
if it is being biased, like we need to spread the word about the factual or anything else that you support. That's the only way that these things are going to be able to keep going, get off the ground, and we can kind of balance the scales and hopefully, A, lead to better information going out there into the world, but B, also calm down on some of the, you know, polarization uh, because, you know, they recently had that, that study out there where when people are introduced to media or information from the other side, it actually makes them a little less partisan and check it out. Like we don't always have to agree with the other side. Like I've had plenty of guests on here uh, like Monica Guzman and many others to talk about like, Hey, you don't have to agree with, you know, uh, their beliefs, their values, their policies, all that kind of stuff. But, but when we're only reading stuff from our side and listening to that bias, we're not getting a full picture of why they believe what they believe. And in order to decrease some of the polarization, have better conversations, we need to read what's going on on the other side. I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. I make it a duty to read you know, authors that I disagree with, read news stories from people I disagree with, all these other things, just so I can better understand where they're coming from. So anyways, head down to the description, check out the factual, okay? It is linked down below. Make sure you're following Arjun, uh, you know, over on social media, keep up to date with, you know, their updates, what they're doing, all that kind of stuff. And remember the factual does have a, a free version okay? But if you do wanna support them, get some extra perks within the app and the website and all that, it's like, you know, very, very cheap. All right. So check that out. It's down in the description. Okay. But before I let you go, make sure you're following me over on Instagram and Twitter at the rewired soul. So you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Cause we've got a lot of really cool ones coming up and uh, do me a favor, a couple quick and easy ways to help support the podcast. One, if you're not yet, make sure that you're following, you're subscribed to the podcast. All right. Two, if you like this episode, share it share it with friends, family, whoever, email them, share it on social media. All right. Get the word out there about the factual next. If you're over on Apple podcast, head over there, leave a rating and review it takes two seconds. All this stuff is absolutely free and it helps support what I'm doing here. All right. But a, a few other ways that you can help support one, you can become a subscriber over on Substack for five bucks a month or $50 for the year. Uh, you get all of the regular episodes a day early. So it helps me. You get a little bonus content. Boom. Works out for all of us. Uh, next, you can head over to the rewiredsoul.com, check out some of the books that I have written on mental health, addiction recovery, uh, my experience getting canceled over on YouTube. Uh, that's available at the rewiredsoul.com. And finally, uh, if you're somebody like me who is trying to improve your mental health, you care about mental health, there is an affiliate link down below for BetterHelp Online Therapy. It's a service that I have personally used. I love, love, love what they're doing. It's inexpensive. You can do it from the comfort of your own home and you work with a licensed therapist. So if that's something you're into, check out that affiliate link for BetterHelp Online Therapy. All right. So another huge, huge thanks to Arjun for coming on the podcast. A huge thanks. Uh, for him doing what he's doing and his mission. It's awesome. And yeah, for all of you uh, this week, I might have two episodes, maybe this one. We'll see because I am recording a ton. So I'm going to start probably ramping up the release schedule again, even though, you know, I'm like working full time still and everything. But for sure, for sure, there's an episode coming this week. Okay. I had a conversation with somebody who researches horror so if you're into horror movies, or even if you hate horror movies, you're really actually going to enjoy this episode. So make sure that you are staying tuned so you don't miss it. All right. But other than that, hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. And I will see you next time. Peace.